from Luminary Media and Jigsaw Productions. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. I'm Alex Gibney, and this is Lies We Tell. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There are all kinds of inherent lies in business. Sometimes visionaries have to fake it till they make it. Keeping things honest is almost an impossible feat, but there are armies out there trying, from reporters to the Securities and Exchange Commission. Our producer, Claire Sloan Vance, came across a story about financial fraud that shows how complicated telling fact from fiction can be when you encounter someone with a really good sales pitch. I got a tip about this college kid in Georgia named Syed Arbab. He was accused of running a Ponzi scheme out of his fraternity house, and he was all over the news. He claimed to run a hedge fund from his frat house. The SEC says he spent investors' Georgia cash Georgia frat star arrested for running Ponzi scheme out a of frat house. A UGA grad promised an incredible investment. The SEC says SEC he ran a million shuts down dollar alleged Ponzi. frat house Ponzi scheme. But something about the coverage bugged me, so I emailed Syed and we set up a call. Hi, it's very nice to meet you. My name is Claire. Nice to meet you, too. I came across your story in the news, and I thought, I wonder how many people are actually reaching out and trying to talk to him. So that's why I emailed you. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, There was another guy, uh, Jay Kang, if you know him. And I did know the name. Jay Caspian Kang is a writer. I read him in The New York Times and The New Yorker, and so I called him, too. He was also interested in Syed's story but for reasons a little different than mine. I guess just, you know, from my own perspective as someone who has spent much of his 20s as like a massive problem gambler. You were a gambler. Yeah, yeah, like uh, from 23 to 28 or something. Mm -hmm. Jay felt like maybe he might have something in common with this kid. And like me, he thought the way Syed's story was being told was missing something. It seemed just way too over the top. It made it seem like he had basically gone to a strip club and spent like tens of thousands of dollars on lap dances. And I saw his name was like Syed Arbab, and I was like, all right, like what type of fraternity is this? Alex, let me read you this tweet from Ann Coulter. SEC charges Georgia frat boy in Ponzi scheme. Name of Georgia frat boy, Syed Aram Arbab. 
Uh, hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was like almost doubly racist, her tweet, which was like, you know, like, oh, these Muslims are coming in and running Ponzi schemes at UGA. But then it was also basically insinuating that, like, you know, like somebody who is Muslim, like, can't be part of that community. And I did see on his Twitter feed that he had retweeted that, uh, which, you know, I took to be sort of like, a, you know, like, screw you, Ann Coulter, which also made me kind of like him. And so, yeah, I would say that I wanted more than subconsciously to have it turn out that he was just a kid who made a mistake and was paying for it, you know, in an undue way. So Jay and I went down to see him in Georgia. Kind of a weird part of town, just like RVs yeah. and cars. Honestly, I was kind of worried that Syed wouldn't show up, but he did, right on time, wearing a master's polo shirt and looking very much like a recently graduated college student. Uh, if you were, if we we're being honest, what was the first thing you probably thought of me? I mean, some some frat kid, uh, douchebag who probably just blew all the money that people gave him. You know, I mean, probably had no idea what he was doing. Syed came across as a really bright and motivated guy. One thing that I wanted to do as a kid, and I realized it pretty early, is not be a stereotype, you know? The first thing you think about when you see a brown kid doing math in middle school, probably fresh off the boat, only hangs out with brown kids. Like, I had a hard time believing that somebody would be willfully running a Ponzi scheme through in college, out of their frat house, right? Like, and that they would be trying to rob people just because, like, it doesn't make any sense. Just when you're that age and you're 22 and 23, I have some experience with this. In my instance, it was like I made a decent amount of money for myself playing poker over the period of two months, and I spent it all. I felt like it wasn't going to end, and then it ends, and then you're, you know, you're screwed. So that's what I assumed had happened, and that, that was a sympathetic story to me. Syed told us the story about how he was the kind of kid who memorized digits of pi. I actually hold the record in Michigan for digits of pi memorized. Yeah. <laughs> how, many, uh, how, many, how many digits is that? Uh, 368. Uh, how many do you think you could do right now? 50. 50? 55, yeah. Can we hear some of it? Yeah. Give us 20. Okay, 3.141592653598979323846264338327950 But at some point, Syed realized he could use his math skills to make money. I mean, I've I always found it interesting how the stock market worked because you know how like on TV they would display stock markets like buy 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 sell sell sell, you know the typical Nasdaq floor the NYSE Syed started day trading when he turned 18, using an app called Robinhood. Alex, have you heard of Robinhood? <laughs> Sounds bad. Robinhood is basically a video game stock trading. Is, is it an app it's you just download an, it's it on just your an phone? App. Yeah, it allows you to do options trades in a way that is insanely irresponsible. And uh, there are entire sub-communities of Reddit and other online platforms that are dedicated to, like, 16 to 25-year-olds who are basically just going up and down, up and down. The thing is, Syed seemed to do pretty well. He felt like he knew what he was doing. When he got accepted at the University of Georgia, he didn't realize how different life would be on campus. It was a culture shock. Georgia kids uh, dress differently, they talk differently, their entire mannerisms are different. He was a Muslim kid from Michigan who had landed in the Deep South. But he had an idea. Freshman year, my uh, first semester, 
I started observing that more and more on campus, like Greek life kids would hang out more together versus kids that weren't in Greek life and they would have access to more things. Um, in Georgia, yeah, girls is one a aspect, but um, to be able to get a pipeline into New York City jobs such as Citibank, Bank of America, and Goldman, I, I mean, no one likes a bias, but the kids that got selected in these groups were typically people that already knew each other. So if I wanted to reach that goal and try to get that many connections, I would have to start by integrating myself in the social life. I know a little bit about fraternities and know people who are in these fraternities in the South because I come from uh, North Carolina. And for kids who are feel like outsiders at these Southern universities, there's this desperate need to fit in. It's certainly something I had been trapped in in my early 20s as well. I was like, is this a kid who felt like an outsider, wanted to be in this fraternity, and his utility to his brothers was, you know, they're like, oh, he's good at math. Did he just overplay that because he felt so trapped by the need to be useful to his brothers? Freshman year, I started a group me called the Wolves of Broad Street. 558 West Broad Street was the fraternity house that um, I lived at. Did you develop a reputation for being sort of like a financial genius whiz kid? Uh, actually, it was funny that you mentioned it. When I first started this group me, um, I was made fun of by uh, the older members of my fraternity. They would tease me about like, oh, this kid is just so inspired by the Wolf of Wall Street movie, you know, like this kid has no, no idea what he's talking about. But Syed took it seriously. You know, I've been, I was studying the market like every single day from I, when I woke up at 8 a.m. to when I went to bed at 11, you know, always geared toward reading articles constantly. At first, the group was just a handful of friends, but... By the time the Wolves of Broad Street closed, it had around 678 people. That's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. What really changed it is um, when my big, it's a, it's a term... Um, for fraternities and sororities when you have like a older member take you on as your little brother. Uh, he gave me around $500 to invest on his behalf. So um, I ended up turning that 500 into around $1,100. How, how did that feel for you to have, you know, like everybody turning to you and be like, all right, you know, make me rich? Yeah, that was pretty awesome, I'd say. Uh, pretty self-fulfilling. Syed's frat brother started paying attention and investing. It's like almost like a little bit punk in a way, which is like, hey, there's a frat boy who's like the billionaire. Like it, you can read the marketing in your head, you know? If you give your money to Vanguard, you're the sucker, you know? But if you give your money to this kid who knows the actual, how things actually work, then, then you can make the real returns that you're not just the sucker on the outside. And then there was this turning point for Syed. He put everything on the line ahead of a Fed interest rate announcement. So you have this day, right, where you basically are shorting gold and you make 350% of all the money that you have in the world. How, how did that feel? It was funny. I think someone could actually find like the archived uh, message that I sent. Um, I'm like, you know what, guys? I'm going to go balls to the wall. Tomorrow at 2 p.m. when Janet Yellen gives her announcement, I'll either be a dead broke man 
or I'll be um, parting my ass off. So come to the, come to the house and let's watch the uh, Fed meeting at 2 p.m. <laughs> yeah, so exciting. Yeah. So everyone, like, everyone came through just watching Janet yelling on the TV. And then, according to Syed... And once uh, Janet Yellen announced that the rate uh, was going to be increased by 0.25%, uh, everyone started cheering and like, I looked at my account at 2.01 p.m. My account had jumped up uh, around $80,000. So I went, I went crazy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From that one victory, that's what you just that's when you're like, hey man, if I'm gonna be able to make this much money, I should start a hedge fund. Yeah, pretty much. Because it wasn't it wasn't just that one trade that uh, was outstanding. I mean, all these all these trades that I made throughout college and a little bit of high school, I mean, that was just like my balsam wall moment. That was the moment that I realized that I had that much capital in comparison to other kids that were in my um, age group was when I knew that I had to do something a little more outstanding, you know? I should start like a hedge fund. Did it feel like a big deal to start a hedge fund? Yeah, people were pretty impressed. People would be like, oh, this guy has his own company and he's like a trade, trading whiz, you know? Like, this kid's gonna make it big. It just kind of uh, snowballed. And just like that. Artis Proficio became a hedge fund. How did, what is Artis Proficio? Uh, Artis Proficio in Latin means um, artistic profits. Syed wasn't just pitching rich kids and their investor relatives. He was also taking in money from friends and family, too. I was like, wow, this 
Looks awesome, dude. This is Lewis, one of Syed's best friends from high school. When Syed started his hedge fund, he reached out to Lewis. So I gave him $5,000, and I let it sit there for a while. And he would, like, give me nice little updates, like, hey, did you see the stock market today? Look how much they've gone up. You put in 5000 here's what you're at now, like 5200 5300 whatever it was. I'm like, oh, shit, man, this is good stuff. I heard the same thing from a lot of other people that I spoke with. Syed got in touch via text or various social media DM with the chance to get rich. I've also heard that there were others who reached out to Syed themselves, asking him to invest their money. I reached out to Alex's longtime collaborator, Bethany McLean. She was the one who really called out Enron. She called out Enron just by asking a very simple question which was, how does Enron make its money? I've sort of accidentally made a career out of chronicling business gone wrong. Back in the days of Enron, I essentially believed that if bad things happened, it was because bad people knowingly did bad things, right? And every story I've covered since then, including Enron, has been much more nuanced. Um, And so I find these stories trying to get underneath what the actual human motivations are really fascinating. I wanted to know what she'd think of Syed's story. So this is Syed to a young woman who invested most of her life savings with him. Let me tell you a little bit about the firm in general. It's different because we target young investors slash college kids to start experiencing what investing really is. So let me tell you about the guarantees we make first. Your money is guaranteed and backed up to $15,000. What this means is that if I were to ever lose an investment so badly your account goes below your initial investment, I would have to reimburse it to the initial amount. We try and keep it at a max of $15,000 just to hedge liability of handling too much capital from one client while also guaranteeing the safety of their money. Yeah, so immediately. Wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. That's not the way investing works. Just wrong on the face of it. And so that raises my suspicions about him and about how knowing his actions actually were. He was clearly trying to lure people in. Right. Damn it. (laughs) Um, Jay and I were really struggling to square the Syed we met during our interview with all the things we were learning about his business practices. Maybe he just got in way over his head when he was too young to understand how irresponsible he was being. You know, he really, the Wolves of Broad Street thing is like the actual right name for it. You know, like he was trying to be a shark and he didn't know what he was doing. He got crushed. It happens to a lot of people. Yeah. But like his problem was that he had all these other people's money. <laughs> that doesn't happen to a lot of kids. You know, like it doesn't happen to a lot of 21-year-olds. Things started going downhill for Syed in December 2018 when the stock market plummeted. All of a sudden, you have a crash of 1,000 points in one morning, and then you wake up, almost 30% of your account is wiped out within uh, two hours. To make up for his losses, Syed started making riskier trades. Let me just ask a very specific question, then. What point did you, like, what was the trade that made you lose all the money? Like, what was the trade that, like, wrecked you? That really stood out to me. I still hate him to this day. Uh, Elon Musk, Tesla. I mean, there was, uh, like, now that I, now I realize that hindsight 2020, like, 
what was the mistake that happened was not really the earnings, not really the company's fault. It was the fact that the market in general was falling. So Tesla fell another 5% that day. The option was worthless. But things kept going downhill, and Syed had to start taking out loans. These loans I was asking for were $50,000, $40,000, $20,000. And the interest that uh, we agreed upon would be like 6% to 10% even. So, and the short of the... the um, loan length time would be like two weeks to a month. So you were you were chasing your losses. Was, yeah, um, trying to gap it up essentially, and it worked out for a little. One of the people who gave Syed one of these loans agreed to speak with us on the condition of anonymity. We're using an actor to read his words. Let's call him Brett. Brett was a member of the Wolves of Broad Street, and he saw firsthand the kind of advice Syed was offering. He actually did call out stocks in there, and he'd say, like, hey, guys, I think it'd be a good idea to long this or short this. And, like, dang, if 75% or more of those weren't exactly right, and, like, the timing would be good, too. So uh, he was making decently consistent stock call-outs. So Brett gave Syed a loan, a big one. We can't say the specific amount because it would reveal his identity, but let's just say it was a lot of money. (laughs) I just like I'm just trying to figure out like why you felt like giving dollars to like a 21 year old at the time for a return was worth it. Obviously, it was a very stupid decision on my part. Um, at the time, I thought it was uh, you know a good conservative investment because this money that I was putting over there with him, it wasn't going to be invested in anything. It was literally just going to be sitting in an account where like essentially it was just going to be a checking account because my money would never move from that account. But Brett didn't realize he was giving a loan to a kid who was already drowning and making desperate, extremely risky trades to bail himself out. It was a, it was a pretty dark time, um, just scrambling to try to recoup the losses, you know? Not sleeping, just working constantly and just trying to make as much money as possible, you know? But he couldn't pull it off. The loans with their high interest rates were coming due. That's when it really started going downhill because one of the loaners were, um, was a private equity guy. And when he asked for his loan back with interest, uh, couldn't pay him the interest or the loan to its fullest amount, um, he started getting pretty angsty and going around to my other investors and just telling him that uh, it's an it's illiquid fund. And that's when the bank run started happening. In the scramble to get whole again, Syed had new investors who he was convincing to invest to bring in more capital send money directly to old investors over Venmo. Why did you not tell your investors that you had, you know, that you, that you had lost the funds? Because uh, you're right. When this happened, there was a huge crash, you know, uh, and people were, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there. Now, the market did recover, but for some people did get wiped out, such as yourself, especially if you're an inexperienced trader who's involved in a lot of strange options positions, you can get wiped out. And, you know, just as quickly as you made $50,000 that day, you can get wiped out in the same amount of time. Why, why didn't you just tell these people? Yeah, um, I mean, it was the fact that these people were relying on me to be pretty safe with their money. It was just, I, I felt that I owed it to them to try to at least make up the losses that I incurred for on their behalf, you know? I mean... If you ended up giving me that $50,000, right, let's say in November and one month later, um, it's at zero. I, I'm not going to be like, Jay, man, I'm sorry, but because of the market crash, I mean, your account's just 
valueless. I mean, how would you react? I mean, I'd be really pissed off at you, um, but I would also, you know, it, well, it just depends the circumstances under which I told you to invest the money. For you to get liquidated $50,000 on a options call, you must have been doing like a weekly, you must have been buying weeklies off of earnings calls. Like that's the most, that's like basically, you know, there's a reason why it's called like, those are called like YOLO trades on on Reddit. Like it's the most lottery ticket way that you can trade. Is that what you were doing? Uh, it wasn't all high risk options trading. It was actually pretty moderate risk. I mean, I did inform I mean, them that it was, it was still thousand dollars to zero is like it shows profound risk. Syed had clearly lied to his investors. I've seen the pitch documents he sent to them. In one PowerPoint presentation, artist Proficio is described as providing, quote, investors with low volatility, consistent returns, and transparency. But none of that was true. For Syed, I think what happened was that he ended up winning a lot when he was making these very risky, like, leveraged and, uh, you know, options calls, which were, like, basically just gambling. Like, but you're probably going to lose all your money most of the time. And that brings us back to where we started with Syed. The headlines about gambling, Las Vegas. It sounds like if I had to guess, my money is a lot of what he blew in Vegas on that trip that's in the SEC report. That's Brad again. Okay, so I have a, I have a very frank question to ask you. Did you go to Las Vegas to recoup your losses? No, no. I mean, the money that I played with in Las Vegas would never be enough to recoup the losses that I had. From December 2018, when the market crashed, to the spring of 2019, when the SEC stepped in, Syed went to Las Vegas three times. The SEC says that Syed spent $58,000 on gambling in Vegas during that time. He disputes that amount and says it was really only around $10,000. And he says he only used his own money. But pretty soon, the complaint was out in the news. Tonight, the feds say they're cracking down on a fraud case out of Athens. Another big story tonight has UGA parents and students fuming. The Security and Exchange Commission complaint accuses a former UGA student of operating a Ponzi scheme out of his own fraternity house. What a crazy story. I mean, when this first started coming out, I was like, uh, my head, head was spinning, you know, because like I was literally everywhere. Every time I refreshed the page, uh, my name would be out on a different article. Um, and then I'd be getting, like, these threats from, like, random people I didn't even know, like, you punk ass yeah. pussy and stuff like that. Like, you deserve to burn in hell. Um, I actually retweeted uh, one Trump supporter that tweeted about me because I thought it was really funny how she tried to use this as a type of racial profiling. Okay, that's not a Trump supporter. That's, like, Ann Coulter. Yeah. That has, like, millions of followers. Yeah. When news of Syed's alleged fraud blew up, many of his investors were caught off guard. Syed's high school friend, Lewis, was blindsided. I remember just sitting on my front porch, like, you kind of know, like, when you when you see something crazy and your whole vision is almost like, mm-hmm, you guys white having you're like, oh, my God. Like, it just sucked. That's a lot of money to me. Like, I'm a goddamn college kid going to my last year. Like, that's the money I need to get through this year comfortably, you know? I remember sitting there just thinking, thinking like, how stupid I was. Like, oh, my God, like... I, 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 I really just couldn't even believe it. And the biggest part is, like, that it was Syed doing it. Like, out of all the people, for him to be the one to do this, it, like, didn't even make sense to me. It still really doesn't. I would, I would want to believe, because of his age, that he's a 
kid who really believed he could make money for his loved ones, um, perhaps to feed his own ego, as we, we talked about, but that he really believed he could do it. And then he had a big loss or a big setback. And like so many of us, didn't want to confess that he had screwed up. And so thought he could thought he could figure out a way to, to, to make it back and was willing to gamble in order in order to do that. But there are a few things in that SEC complaint that that made me raise my eyebrows. And one was that he told people he had he was using Merrill Lynch as a broker and he was not. Merrill had no record of him ever having signed up with them. That's not a simple oversight. That's that's an outright lie. That he told people he, he was getting his MBA. He was never enrolled in the program. Again, that's not a little technical mishap. That's 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 an outright lie. Um, that he was guaranteeing people that they would get their money back. That has, to me, one of the hallmarks of a de- deliberate Ponzi scheme in that no real no real investment should ha- come with a guaranteed money back, right? No real trading, trading, no real hedge fund comes with a guarantee that you're going to get your money back. It just doesn't, the markets just don't operate that way. So that's immediately a sign to me of somebody who's promising people something that's too good to be true. And so those were all signs that made me say, oh. and then the allegations in the complaint as well, that he was taking investors' money and spending it on personal expenses, Um um, again, not the sign of somebody who's just desperate to make back the money he'd lost and make people whole, right? It's not difficult to imagine how hard it would have been for Syed to admit he'd gotten in over his head. I think that if your social self-worth and, you know, you feel like everybody's not going to be your friend if you stop being good at this thing, which I don't know if he ever really was that good at it, I think that's like a very, very difficult thing to swallow because your entire self is predicated on that from an early age. But at the same time, maybe Syed knew exactly what he was doing, knew exactly how to convince people to hand over their money. Even just the term hedge fund, you know, it makes it seem like it's a smart way. It's a hedge. Yeah, and it's an (laughs) insider. It's It's not gambling. (laughs) And it's like an insidery thing where, like, you, the people who are doing it have access to things that normal people don't, and you're not the sucker anymore. I think he, he did start with good intentions, I, I think. I don't know that for sure, but I would like to hope that this, the kid that I knew in high school and all through college up until this point was a pretty good guy. Another classmate who also gave money to Syed. I was scared. I remember, like, I was like, shoot, like, I mean, I'm a law school student. I don't, I mean, I don't have much money. And, like, I mean, I felt really bad. Like, I, I, I've honestly, like, it made me sit to my stomach and, like, you know, I felt, like, really sad. I mean, I didn't want to tell my ex-girlfriend at the time because I was embarrassed, you know. And I felt yeah. like, you know, I felt stupid. I, I kind of felt I was ashamed of myself. And like, you know, how could I fall victim and be so naive to all this? But I mean, I truthfully felt awful. Like, and it was like, it's sick. Like, I mean, five grand might not be a lot to a lot of people. Like for me, you know, that's a lot of money. You know, it's not just his fraternity brothers giving him like $600 of expendable money. But at the point where he's going to like a pharmacist who is saving all of her money and trusts him, who has no relationship with him except she's a friend of a friend. And she's giving him essentially what sounds like a large portion of her life savings over because she, he's telling her that it's a completely hedged bet and that it is stable and that there's no risk at all. You know, like that's a level of deception that I think is almost impossible to justify by any amount, even if he had won a lot of money for her. You know, like it's still a deception that, you know, should be prosecutable. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When Jay and I went to Augusta to interview Syed, we couldn't tell if he understood how much trouble he was in. Yeah, to the point where he messaged me on Twitter, like through direct message, and was like, hey, I've got these stock tips, basically, and are you interested in them? (laughs) And that's when I, I immediately called Claire, and I was just like, I don't know what to do with this guy, you know, because uh, he's under investigation by the SEC. He's been smeared by everyone from, like, uh, the Daily Mail to Ann Coulter. And he's, like, DMing the reporter who's working on the story and being like, hey, I've got some, like, insider, I've got some insider trading insights, you know, do you want to, are you interested in them at all? And I was just like, you know, like, does well, he does he not get it? And that's what it makes me wonder about a couple of things. Like, was that him having this supreme confidence in his ability to con people and and thought he could even con the reporter that's doing a story about his dishonesty? Or is it it the kind of thing where he's a person who can't, he literally can't emotionally accept that he's not, you know, the Wizard of Wall Street? Yeah. Remember that sequence of pi digits I had recited for us? It turns out it was close, but not exactly right. And not only that, we found out he wasn't actually the Michigan State champion of memorizing Pi, but rather, he'd broken a school record. Maybe that's what Syed was really telling us all along, that you can get away with anything as long as you have the drive, and the audacity, and the cash. Kind of like this moment he told us about that really struck him when he watched The Wolf of Wall Street. One scene that I remembered was um, on the plane. Uh, he was so sedated by uh, ludes that uh, he had to be seatbelt into his uh, plane when anyone living a typical and normal life would be would have been thrown out of the plane instantly. You thought that was cool. Yeah, just because he had the money. <laughs> what is the American dream? It's to be able to accomplish your goals such as I don't know acquiring wealth or leaving a legacy based from nothing you know that's that's kind of what I want to accomplish you know Syed believed probably rightfully that joining a fraternity would give him advantages and connections but according to him it didn't quite work out the way he'd hoped I mean people I mean jokingly would call me like terrorists and stuff. I mean, after, like, I, I when I was like drunk one night, I actually lashed out at um, a kid that called me uh, a sand nigger, and we actually got in a fight. But that was completely tangent to what we we're talking about. Um, 
Is it? I guess. Kind of, no. No, because, like, why'd you put up with it? No one has ever done that, gone that far, and, like, used, like, a racial slur to me as a friend. Like, why why are you putting up with this? I mean, these guys sound like... You know, like, um, that, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, if you were if you were immersed in, like, a fraternity culture, you like, the jokes that are told in um, a fraternity are, like, pretty out there, you know? Like, really dark jokes, like, but it's acceptable, you know? Like, sometimes, I, I mean, I lash out. Syed's story was really powerful. It was hard not to sympathize. But at the same time, we weren't really sure if we could believe it. You know, it was one of these interesting interviews where, uh... And I guess it's like something about interviewing where it's hard to go in with a completely clear mind, you know, like you sort of have an idea of what it'll be. And then you start talking to him and he starts spitting it back to you, you know, (laughs) and nothing he said about his identity and his sense of not feeling part of it or like even this idea that he was around all these wealthy private school kids from the South and he didn't know how to deal with it. Like it never really was consistent. But, like, I could imagine a smart person realizing that this might be the most sympathetic way out of it. And so that's, like, a high level of, of like, lying, I guess, for a kid who's 22 years old. But I also felt like he was maybe capable of that. And was there ever a moment for him where he had an honest exchange with these people he had defrauded? No, I don't think so. And I don't think he has to this day, you know, and... That's one of the frustrations and, you know, what ultimately makes the story compelling to me, which is that even to, to, to us, you know, when we we're just presenting him with basic evidence that he had lied, he doesn't quite seem able to come to grips with the fact that that is wrong. And where is he at now? What's, what, what's his situation? According to Syed, he's a grad student at Georgia State teaching biology and he still wants to make it big in business. I mean, obviously I love finance and I still keep up with the markets, um, but in terms of what I actually wanted to do with the company itself, like when I was an undergrad, I started a biotech company and that's exactly what I'm um, pursuing at the moment. His entrepreneurial spirit seems pretty undaunted. And the weirdest thing about the world of finance is that it is um, it proves the lie to the famous F. Scott Fitzgerald line there are no second acts in American life. There are second acts and third acts and fourth acts and fifth acts. If you're the person with the charisma and the salesmanship and you've got a story to sell and you can make people believe in it, it doesn't matter if you've screwed them over once, twice, three, three times, four times, five times. You know what? You can do it again. And it's actually stunning. In October 2019, Syed pleaded guilty to one count of securities fraud. He's facing a maximum of five years in prison. He texted me a few days after he pleaded guilty, and I called him. Do you think of yourself as a criminal? Do I think of myself as a criminal? Yeah. Um, the act that I took was a mistake, and I regret, um, and I will regret for the rest of my life. But, I mean, I was not out there just like conniving to steal my friends and family's money. You know, I was at the end of the day, I was there investing 99% of the capital that they initiated and they transferred to me. What happened happened, you know, I lost the money and the steps that I took after that to try to recoup the losses weren't the smartest, but 
in terms of the definition criminal, I don't think I fit in that category. Next up on Lies We Tell, we take a look at a particular kind of lie. Because I want you to see how our country feels about those who lie. I was wondering, you know, WTF, uh, what's going on here? People who lie about serving in the military. And what does it say about which American values are most important? That's next time on Lies We Tell. From Luminary Media and Jigsaw Productions, Lies We Tell is produced in association with Story Mechanics. Our producers are Claire Sloan Vance, Brenna Farrell, associate producers Sophie Behrman and Tessa Kramer. Our interns are Silver Lifton and Ali Einberg. Our executive producers are Ellen Horn, Stacey Offman, Richard Perello, Joey Mara, and John Schmidt. Original score and mixing by Story Mechanics. Our composer is Darren Gray. Our sound engineers are Charles Michelet, Hannes Brown, and Violet Ferton. Special thanks to Kenzie Wilbur, Matt Sachs, Jamie Lines, Jay Caspian Kang, and Luke Monas. Our researcher is Camille Peterson. I'm Alex Gibney, and this is Lies We Tell. <laughs>